Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, our second reading for today is one of the most magnificent texts in the New Testament. It's taken from Paul's letter to the Philippians. But the hymn, which is at the very center of this text, is even earlier than Paul's own writing. What I mean is, it's something that Paul adapted from an earlier tradition. Therefore, what we're reading is something which goes back possibly to the 30s or 40s of the first century, within a few years of the death and resurrection of the Lord. So it's one of the most precious and one of the earliest texts that we have. It shows that the essentials of Christian theology were in place from the very earliest days. Listen now as this hymn begins. Though he was in the form of God, Jesus did not deem equality with God a thing to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself and took the form of a slave, being born in the likeness of men. There is so much packed into those lines. In some ways, the whole of Christian theology is packed into those lines. What we see is, from the very beginning, Christianity affirmed clearly, unambiguously, the divinity of Jesus and his pre-existence with the Father. We hear that one who is in the very form of God emptied himself and became a slave. Now see, some scholars maintain that the affirmation of Jesus' divinity came only much later, perhaps around the time of the writing of the Gospel of John, around the year 90 or 100. Well, here we see the refutation of it. From the very beginning, one of the earliest texts we have clearly affirms that Jesus is more than simply a great ethical teacher, more than simply a great saint, that Jesus is in the very form of God. But now, what is the quality of that divinity? What is it that Jesus reveals to us about God? Well, it's the highest of paradoxes. Though he was in the form of God, Jesus did not deem equality with God something to be grasped. What do we take for granted? that we should grasp at wealth, we should grasp at power, we should grasp at our own reputation. And if we're lucky enough to get it, then we should cling to it desperately. We live in a highly competitive world, and we develop very competitive attitudes. Clinging, holding, grasping, defending, that becomes the way. If you want to achieve high position and then maintain it, you better get into that mode. Do you know the uh, Buddhist scholar Thich Nhat Hanh noticed something about 
the English language. How prevalent the word take is. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to take a vacation. I'm going to take the time. We're taking all the time. But here's something very different. Though he was in the form of God, yes, Jesus is fully divine. But what does that mean? He did not deem equality with God something to be grasped at. In the very heart of God, in the very life of God, there's not so much taking as letting go. Not so much seizing and grasping as letting be. Who is the Father? He's the one who generates the Son. Who is the Son? He's the one that looks back at the Father in love. Who is the Holy Spirit but the mutual love of the Father and the Son? God is not a community of takers. But God is a community of letting be, of giving, of emptying. Christ is the new Adam. Paul says it all the time. Christ is the new Adam. What was Adam's problem? Mind you, Adam too was in the form of God. The Bible tells us he was made in the image and likeness of God. And yet, Adam grasped at divinity. When Adam and Eve eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they are trying to be like God. They seize divinity. Christ comes, and here's the high paradox of Christianity. Christ comes as the new Adam. God himself does not grasp at divinity, but God himself lets go of divinity. And in that, the curse of Adam is undone. In that, salvation bursts into the world. Not seizing, grasping, but rather in letting go. You know, I mentioned before to you the strong spirituality within the Lord of the Rings book and movie. Isn't it wonderful? It's an adventure not about finding something, but rather getting rid of something. Frodo and his company are not trying to grasp at some treasure, not trying to find something, but rather to take that ring of power and to get rid of it. They empty themselves. That's the story. That's the narrative. That's a deeply Christian intuition. Christ lets go of divinity, doesn't grasp at it. Paul goes on now in this hymn. When the Son of God emptied himself, he took the form of a slave, of a doulos, Paul says in his Greek. I've spoken to you before about the prevalence of slavery in the ancient world. Scholars say if we went back in a time capsule to the ancient world, the thing that would first strike us would be the prevalence of slavery. What was a slave? Who was a slave? Someone whose entire being was given over to the master. Whatever the slave had, whatever the slave did, it was for the sake of the master. His life did not belong to him. It was all for the sake of the one who owned the slave. Jesus does not deem equality with God a thing to be grasped at, but rather empties himself and becomes a slave. 
How strange and how radical that language is, that God himself becomes our slave. That God's own being is now given away for our sake. Everything Christ does, all that Christ is, all that Christ says, is now for our benefit. That's what the cross means. That's what the preaching of Christ entails. His whole being is for us. I've given you before Thomas Aquinas' great definition of love. To love is to will the good of the other. It's not an emotion primarily. It might be accompanied by that. But love in its essence is to will the good of the other. You see what Paul's saying here? How staggering it is that Christ becomes a slave because his whole being is willing our good. How far did this slavery go? Well, we hear in the Gospel of John that he washes the feet of his disciples. You couldn't even ask a slave in the ancient world to do something as degrading as that. That's why St. Peter, remember, reacts so violently to it. Lord, you must not do this. Not even a slave could be asked to wash your feet. Yes, that's what Jesus does. But now, in Paul's hymn, it's even more radically expressed. Listen. This slave, this doulos, humbled himself, becoming obedient, even to the point of death. Death on a cross. Now listen. If in the ancient world you had a slave who not only gave you his service, not only gave you the work of his hands and the sweat of his brow, not only gave you the effort of his mind, some slaves were intellectuals, but let's say you had a slave who willingly gave his life for you. That would be staggering. That would be staggering. You'd honor that slave. They'd tell stories about that slave. Yet this is precisely what Jesus the slave does. Loves us to the point even of death, giving away the whole of his life for us. And then Paul adds this little coda, and we can almost imagine Paul lowering his voice as he says it. Even death on a cross. Nothing frightened ancient people more than the cross. We take it so for granted as a religious symbol, but the cross in the ancient world, that was the worst torture imaginable. It was the worst torture ever devised. We have a text from Cicero, the great Roman orator and philosopher. Cicero says, I don't even want to use the word cross. I don't want to even hear that word because what it calls to mind is so horrible. Jesus did not deem equality with God a thing to be grasped at, but rather became our slave. And a slave that gave his whole life. He went to death. Death on a cross. (laughs) You see, there's something that's just overwhelming about this hymn. To show the depth of the divine love for us. The depth of the divine self-emptying and self-offering. But now, as the hymn comes to a close, it reaches a kind of crescendo And the paradox gets even more exaggerated. Listen now. 
Because of this, because of this great act of self-emptying on the cross, God greatly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name above every other name. Christ has gone all the way down, as far down as you could go, into slavery, into death, yes, even death on a cross. You couldn't imagine a more dramatic self-offering. And because of that, God highly exalted him. Whom do we exalt? We exalt all those people who successfully cling to themselves, who successfully defend their prerogatives, all those who amass wealth and power and fame and reputation. Those are the people the world exalts. Whom does God exalt? Not those people. God exalts this Christ who became a slave and accepted death, yes, even death on the cross, so that now, listen as it ends, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Who bends the knee? The slave. The slave bends the knee to the master. What's Paul saying now in this high paradox? It is this slave Christ for whom we now bend the knee. This hymn, which was sung at the very beginning of the Christian movement, at the very beginning of Christian faith, sums up for us the full paradoxical glory of Christian faith. You want the fullness of life? Become a slave. You want to imitate God? Become a servant, even to the point of death. It's not taking that matters. It's giving away. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.